You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Grit and Barrett Podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone. It is December 5th, everyone. It is now that time of year, the time of year where it gets a little bit colder, a little bit chillier. It is truly hockey weather for all of you. How's everyone doing? My name's Richard Blosser, part host of the Grit and Barrett podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, if you heard Friday's show, we are back with the Hockey Podcast Network. So please give a like, a share, and a subscribe, not only to this podcast, but also to the Hockey Podcast Network as well. Bit of a light slate on Bears recaps this week as we've only got one game, one game on a Sunday to uh, to cover. Now I can assure all of you, this is not going to be happening Again, no Bears hockey on a Friday, nothing on a Saturday. All we had was just Sunday due to lull scheduling. But the Bears, after getting two wins earlier in the week, you want my thoughts on that? Listen to Friday's show to get my recaps on wins against the Wilkes-Barre Grand Penguins and our first win in the Electrodrome. But on a Sunday, Wilkes-Barre coming down for a 3 o'clock start. As the Baby Pens got shellacked on their Hall of Fame night. Good way to induct Tom Kostopoulos on a loss. On a 5-1 shellacking by the Bridgeport Islanders. But down comes Wilkes-Barre. It's team autograph night for the Bears. For the first time in two years, we can finally go down and get autographs with the boys. All we got to do is get this 3 o'clock start take care of these boys, put a pretty little bow on it, and it'll be smiles and good times down there out on the ice seeking autographs. So the Bears, before we start with the game, kind of got to deal with some, unfortunately, some Capitals issues as a defenseman has gone down for the Capitals and Darcy Kempner took himself out of the game Sunday night up in Calgary. Said he just didn't feel right. Just didn't feel right. No concussion. No nothing. But Darcy Kepner took himself out of the lineup. And we wondered, is it Hunter Shepard or Zach Fukali that's going to get the call in this? Both have been playing pretty decently. Hunter Shepard, your AHL goaltender of the month for the month of November, could quite possibly get that call. But we were waiting Waiting to see what would happen as it was announced Sunday morning while I'm dealing with church that we had signed uh, Michael Couplemaster. Who? Who'd we sign? Justin Couplemaster. 
That sounds like a random AI-generated hockey name in NHL 23. I can't be real. Nope. Did time in Reading this year. Okay. We signed him to a PTO, and one of the two is going to get called up. Now, before everybody starts freaking out, everybody starts getting worried, let's just, let's just pull the brakes for a second. Let's just stop. Okay, so uh, the Capitals are going to make a move on a goaltender, but the Capitals will play Monday in Edmonton. And when this podcast drops, tonight in Edmonton, they have another road game in Philadelphia. So most likely, whomever of the Bears got called up will probably start in Philadelphia on Wednesday. They'll rejoin the team on Tuesday and most likely might get the start on Philly. So Charlie Lindgren, hefty lefty, unofficial friend of the show, will probably get the start in Edmonton taking on the fighting Connor McDavid's. But, you know, that's just the nature of the beast sometimes. Darcy Kepner's been listed as day-to-day. So, I get there at 3. Get ready for the day. And out comes Zach Fukali. All right. Hunter, get your palisman and fly to D.C. You're up. Well-deserved. Well-deserved on the lad. Good on him. Good up there to get some time. It's deserved. But it's Zach Fukali. Out comes for Wilkes-Barre, Philippe Lindbergh. Oh, okay. Well, Dustin Tilkarski, October AHL goaltender of the month, Dustin Tilkarski, was last night, so that's who we got. Okay, feeling pretty good about this six-game winning streak. Let's keep this going as we get at it in the first. Bears start pressuring a little bit. Should be the healthy of the two teams. Two teams. Boys, get the puck in down low. Connor McMichael finds Sam Menes. Deeks on Lindbergh. Pokecheck misses it. Shoot, scores! Sam Menes! Get... Gets a goal. Yeah. I can't say it. <laughs> I can't. What's this man doing to me? Sam Ennis gets his fifth of the season by making Philippe Lindbergh look absolutely filthy. And it's one nothing Hershey. Assist to Connor McMichael. His first assist, not first point, first assist. And Henrik Bjorkstrom, his sixth assist of the season. Good to get that opening goal out of the way. But Wilkesbury starts pressing back. As I told the boys, this, this, this Wilkesbury team... Is like an, an evil Troy Man team. Opportunistic. They can be fast. They can move the puck around. They're not going to take one nothing punches in the mouth lightly. No. This team is not going to go away. And Wilkes, Wilkes-Barre. Just long shot. In comes Philippe Hollander. Coming down the right circles. Shoots backhand on Fukali. Gets his own rebound. Scores! Philippe Hollander has tied the game. Gets his own rebound, but not unassisted. Ty Smith and Mitch Renke. Renke with the assist. Crud. But Wilkesbury, Wilkesbury takes a penalty later on as Henrik Rybinski just bam just gets nailed right in the face and down he goes. Penalty. Up you go. Four five on four power play gets set up and the boys can't really get anything going. Against this this squad. 
squad. Ethan Frank takes a puck into a corner, gets smashed into the boards. Hand goes up. That's a penalty. Five on three for the Bears. All you got to do is get set up, but doesn't really happen. Wilkes-Barre flings the puck down on the five on three. Zach Fucali flings the puck up ahead. Henrik's LaPierre deeks, shoots. He scores! Henrik's LaPierre gets in the slot and fires and scores. Henrik's LaPierre with his sixth of the season, assisted by your goaltender, number 35, Zach Fucali. And it's 2-1 Hershey. Yes, world! All right. Okay. Okay. Little back and forth run and gun hockey. But, okay, guys. Guys. Um, we're not really kind of the team for this. We're more of a slow, methodical, and painful type team. Wilkesbury gets the pace going. Up, up, up. Comes in. Getting three on two rushes. All of a sudden. Sun streaking in. Three on two. Well, Wilkes-Barre gets a penalty of their own. I'm getting ahead of myself. There was a lot in this. Bobby Nardella takes a holding penalty. That was legit. As, as Wilkes-Barre is able to gain the zone, flings it around. Drew O'Connor over to Pustinen. Throws it down low into a streaking Nylander. Who's got him? No one does. Tucks it in and scores. Alex Nylander, beautiful passing play as you had Three bears on the left side. Nobody sees Nylander for a backdoor tip-in. Alex Nylander, his seventh of the season. Assist to, let me bring it back up here, Drew O'Connor with his ninth, and Valtteri Pustinen with his tenth assist of the season. Tie game once again. Crud. Crud. But not even a a minute later, Mike Vecchione is able to steal a puck, pick the pocket, throws it to Scarbosa, deeks once, and you see Lindbergh go low, and Scarbosa goes, ha, fooled you. Top corner, scores! Sets his offenses, offensive levels on sniping and roofs it, picks the corner. 3-2 Hershey at the end of the first. Woohoo! Yes! Scarbosa with his fifth. Vecchione with... The assist, his eighth of the season, beautiful steal play, and Mike Scarbosa, just great job finishing it, deking Lindbergh and making him look silly. And after the first, it's 3-2 Hershey on nine shots by the Bears. Wilkes-Barre has 14. Ah, Who cares? Who cares? We're in the lead. Scoreboard, bro. Hey, we haven't played in five days. They did. It'll be all right. We got guys coming back. We can slide people into the lineup. We'll be fine. We start the second period. And Wilkes-Barre uh, got a power play as Vecchione got a uh, high sticking up. And they get set up. Drew O'Connor finds Nylander all the way out to Valtteri Pustin. And who's got him? Kneeling one-timer scores! Valtteri Pustin in. His eighth goal of the season has tied the game again at three. Son of a skunk. All right. Okay. Okay, it's going to be one of these games. Defense is optional. Run and gun hockey. Okay, we can do this. We can do this. We'll be fine. We got this. He's okay, guys. We got this. We'll be fine. Wilkes-Barre starts pressuring yet again. Tyler Secor is able to keep a puck in. Over to Ty Smith. 
who says, I saw this in Pittsburgh once. Wines, fires onto the wall. <laughs> Miss everything. Bounces on the opposite side of the goal, and the puck just dies. Hits the ice and just dies. And in comes Mitch Renke. Goes, I'll take this into the net. Who, who's got Mitch? Who's got Mitch? Who's got him? And Wilkes-Barre is taking the lead. Double sin. Two goals. First minute. 4-3 Wilkes-Barre. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Let, let, okay. We, we got to calm this down, guys. All right, guys. I don't like what's going on here. Can we just calm things down a bit? Let's just stop. And Wilkes-Barre presses the play yet again. Stolen. Tipped up to the ice. Drew O'Connor. It's a two-on-one. Looking. Shoots. He scores! Drew O'Connor! What? Two-on-one? Who's got him? It's a freaking... You just let him walk in. Three goals. Two minutes. Three goals. Three shots. Two minutes. And the lead gone. 5-3 Wilkes-Barre. Is that good? No! 5-3 5-3 Wilkes-Barre. And oh, I can hear the pot simmering. It's a healthy 7,500 that's at Giant Center. A mix of Bears and Pens fans. But a lot of people there for Team Autograph Night. Who've seen this team play really well. Want to go. And they're being treated to this. Three straight goals on three straight shots. Things do settle down a little bit. But Wilkes-Barre, three on two, comes back into the zone. A minute later, Jonathan Lazone shoots. Pad save, rebound to John Gruden. Who's got him? He scores! 6-3! 6-3, Wilkes. Timeout. Get Fukali out of there. Get him out. This man's being left to die. His defense is covering no one. Get him out. But nope. We're going to keep him in because we got Justin Capelmaster, he's a freaking running guy. We're not going to start him. Four minutes later, Wilkes-Barre's leading on shots, 5-2. And in comes one more rush by Wil- by Wilkes-Barre. Let in. Is let in. Uh, hold on here. Sorry, lost some things here. Drew O'Connor, able to steal the puck, gets it up in. Philippe Hollander passes to a wide open Tyler Sakura, who just taps it in. Five hole on Fukali. No one in front of him. No screening. No one even covering Sakura. Seven, three. Five minutes in. Eight minutes in. On six shots. Zach Fukali, you're out. That's it. I'm going Golden Ramsey. You're done. I, I, I don't care. Get, give me your goalie mask. Give me your goalie mask. Here's a cap. Go sit in the corner. You're done. You, Justin, go. Go. You're the goalie now. Go. But I'm not, but my helmet's not even painted. Do I look like I bloody care, sunshine? Do I look like I care, sunshine? Get in there. Sorry. I went from Gordon Ramsay to William Regal there. Sorry. But you get the idea. And now Todd Nelson calls the timeout. Little late there, buddy boy. And then, well, in comes Justin Kappelmaster. Sorry you're not had to start this way, kid. I know. And Wilkes-Barre is able to come in, gets a shot on him, kick save, and I hear this at Giant Center. Yay! 
Excuse me? Uh, what was this? Another shot in. Another save. Woo! What the fudge? What are you doing? What are you doing, Bears fans? What are you doing? And this was this was a dick move. All right, incoming rant. I don't want to get off on a rant here, but I'm gonna I'm going to. Y- you know what, Bears fans? I get it. You're passionate. I get it. You like to be rowdy. I get it. You're gonna cheer because we actually got a save. And let me guess, they did that at the old barn, didn't they? Well, guess what? You know, you know what we are? We're the oldest fan base in the league. We have standards, damn it. You pride yourself on being one of the greatest fan bases in the American Hockey League. Well, guess what? Fucking act like it. This was stupid. Zach Fucali was left to die in his crease because his defense let him down. The Bears played the worst 10 minutes of hockey that they've played all season. And you want to give him... Why don't you just boom on the way out? And you want to give a mock cheer to a cold goalie from fucking Reading? This is... this. You know who does this? Lehigh does this. You know who does this? Philly does this. You know who does this? Wilkes-Barre. Hershey does not pull this. And you want to get upset at me. Well, I'll cheer for anything. I'm not a fair weather fan. No, you're an asshole. That's what you are. So, yeah, I'm lecturing you because Zach didn't deserve that. That goalie didn't deserve your fake cheers. You want to boo this team off the ice at the end of the second period, which didn't happen. That I could understand more than this. This wasn't passion. This wasn't we know more than you. This was a dick move. 100%. And instead of arguing with me on Facebook about this, why don't you actually own it? Why don't all of you be the fans that you claim you are and say, yeah, maybe we stepped over the line. But you know what, Bears fans? You're not going to do that. You are going to sit in your chairs, eat your chocolate, and clutch your chocolate bears, and pretend shit like this is okay because we're Hershey. Well, guess what? It isn't. It is not. Because that was not necessary. I'm not here to tell you that you can't do Bronx cheers and heckle people. I'm not saying you can't do that. But you want to come out, you, you want to say, we're this, we're Hershey, we're this crap. We give Bronx cheers for someone actually making a save because, well, that's what we do because we like to be snarky. Screw you. And to all of you that did that, flock off. To all of you that did it. And I know, not all of you... Bears fans are like this. Oh, intelligent Bears fans that listen to this podcast. Not all of you are like this. But what I heard from from the lower 100 Bulls, specifically out in sections 125, 4, 3, and 6, was embarrassing. And made me embarrassed for the sugar, honey, and iced tea you guys pull. 
You are Hershey Bears fans. You are generational fans that has been passed down through years. Fucking act like it. Don't act like Phantoms fans who go, Phantoms, Phantoms, let's go. Don't act like Wilkes-Barre, an entitled fan base who thinks they're entitled to championships because their parent club is. Act your fan base. And in the words of Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's all I got to say about that. I need a drink. There we go. So, what else happened in this game? Nothing. Nothing. Wilkes-Barre clamped down. A heart and soul gut check of a third period yielded nothing. Wilkes-Barre wins it 7-3 the final. Three stars were all Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. I won't even dignify them of who they were. Despite everything I said, am I going to destroy the guys over this? Like I kind of did with the Charlotte collapse? No. What I'm going to do is say, learn from this. Learn from this game, then burn it. Burn the tape and bury it. You have Charlotte on Tuesday. Yeah, I know we're going to be doing this again. But you have Charlotte on Tuesday. Learn from these mistakes, regroup, and get them on Tuesday. Not your night, and you played a bad game. Let's move on. The fan base, grow up. Anyway, a quick word from our sponsor, and then Corey Schwartz is going to join me as we take stock at the Bears at the quarter pole mark and talk about this year's Hall of Fame inductees. You're listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey, hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL and sponsor of the Grit and Barrett podcast. New customers can bet just $5 on pregame money lines on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement for you, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals they'll score, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes in the details for much more. All right, everyone. Corey Schwartz will now be joining me for more on the Grit and Barrett podcast. And we're back here on the Grit and Barrett podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We've only got one game we recapped this week, so already talked about that, that being done and out of the way. So um, instead of recapping the two other games we've had this week, um, we're kind of at the quarter pole-ish mark with the Hershey Bears, and it's time to take stock. To take find out where exactly where we are and joining me uh from field pass hockey from his own blog bears hockey nation Corey schwartz joining me Corey, how you doing brother good richard how are you happy to be here oh always great to have you on brother i know we haven't had you on since the season started but that's because you and me are both busy covering the great world of uh hershey bears uh hockey 
So, um, so let's get into this. The Bears are at the quarter pole mark, and it's where we all thought we would be by this point, right? The Bears are the king of the mountain, recorded as of Saturday, December 5th, are the kings of the mountain of the American Hockey League. All is well. All is great. The Bears are standing tall here. Um, just re- just before this on a five-game winning streak heading into this. And um, you and me, I know when the season first started, we thought the boys would be in number one, number two, and have just seemed to caught fire in the month of uh, month of November. Yeah, it's been a, a great start. And like you said, November month, I think, was them capitalizing on, you know, kind of the system kind of coming to fruition here. I mean, let's be honest, you know, October had some adjustments, some learning curves. Uh, you know, the Bears were good, but not great. And, you know, November, like you said, there there was a lot of wins, but it wasn't just the wins, but kind of how the wins were coming about. You know, like um, a lot of them were by close scores, good goaltending, good team defense. Uh, the Bears are still one of the lowest goals against teams in the AHL. Their defense and goaltending, as we've seen with Hunter Shepard being named the goaltender of the month for November. And you could really give that to him or Zach Fucale in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, Shepard's big save gets a lot of attention, but Fucale has been just as good in my mind. So, I mean, you know, it's been a, a great start. 11-2-0 in, in the month of November is great, and we'll take it every day. Well, any team would basically a very busy month for for the boys, and it seems like a concern of mine early in the season has been a uh, uh, kind of a uh, quelled a bit with the boys finally getting some road wins, and especially how they've gotten them um, playing a not a very flashy type of style of hockey. But I think this team's identity so far it seems like it's going to be a very um, gritty style of hockey this is not a team that's going to light up the scoreboard at least consistently you might have the odd game here and there but it seems like three two might be the standard for this bears team moving forward yeah it's a little surprising considering you know at least for me considering how i had pegged in the offseason where the bears got a lot of scoring players i mean you know even this season's had a few twists and turns i don't think we expected um, you know, obviously losing Brett Leeson and Axel Janssen Fialbi still kind of sting, but, you know, things kind of smiled for the Bears. They got Connor McMichael back from the Capitals due to their roster situation. And, you know, that's worked out in a whole great way for the Bears here so far. But like you said, it's not been just one guy stepping up. You know, none of the Bears players are really in the top scoring positions in the AHL right now. And that's not a bad thing, though. Like you said, it's been more about a team kind of atmosphere where you know some guys chip in one night more guys will chip in the next night and whoever is in goal and on the blue line have been fantastic so you can't complain about how they've gotten the wins even if you know there are times we wish we'd pile up a few more goals for sure definitely uh throughout this month um the only losses were coming were at home on hockey fights cancer night to the hartford Wolfpack. you could argue a tail end of a three and three um, a rando Friday night loss in Wilkes-Barre, and that was about it. A couple of overtime and shootout winners sprinkled uh, there as well. A couple of those wins were of the comeback variety um, as well, um, as the boys were able to battle back. And that's been a really good sign to see that to where I thought, um, especially at Springfield, um, when Martin Fjork, Yes, everyone, that's his spell name, Martin Fjork, F-R-K, uh, just blasted that one-timer 
you thought, okay, Bears road when Bears road troubles are starting up. Here we go. And then literally not even um, 20 seconds later, Connor McMichael just rifles one right past Joel Hoffer. It's nice to see the boys kind of have that uh, response, response mentality to them to where last season when the Bears gave up a goal, you got deflated by it. Right. And the, the big thing for it for me, too, is they don't get phased by it either. Like, you know, the one game I kind of go back to was um, the the one nothing game in Hartford in the shootout. There was a lot of times you know, the Bears are piling shots up on these guys and, you know, their goaltender uh, was coming up great in that game. And there's a lot of times where, you know, you kind of think to yourself, if you don't hang your head and, you know, just like the Springfield game, you know, you do a lot of work and go down. And, you know, you sometimes hang your head and be like, well, okay, maybe it wasn't meant to be. But it doesn't ever seem like it phases the Bears that way. They just kind of keep going along shift after shift. And, you know, sometimes it's as quick as Connor McMichael's goal in Springfield was. And sometimes it takes a whole shootout um, in order to see that. And the Bears even went down in that shootout early, too. Um, you know, it just doesn't seem to phase them right now. And that's that's a really, I think, good quality to have at this point in the season where, you know, something may happen that kind of gets you down, but they don't let it affect them. Definitely. And um, one thing we've seen with this team uh, is definitely the emergence of some, um, um, some talent coming forward. We've talked about the greatness of Hunter Shepard, but we've known for the past 20 years, the bears have a knack of developing really good goaltenders through their, through their pipeline. We could list it. Nuvi, Holtby, Kasivi, and you know VTech, Grubauer, uh, um, we can we can name them, we can name them. But now you can add to that list Hunter Shepard, who's really come forward as a goaltender. Really tremendous work out of him. AHL November goaltender of the month. And if I'm hearing rumblings out of DC, he's starting to turn some heads there in the capital city. Oh, to nobody's surprise. Anytime you get an award that compares you with Braden Holtby for all he means to that franchise in Washington, you know, that award's going to mean a lot and turn a lot of heads there too. First time since, you know, 2012, I think late 2012, that a Bears goaltender has earned that award, which is, you know, fantastic to, to see. And, you know, it's a little surprising almost, like you said, given the, you know, the Grubauers, the Vanacek's, the Holtby's, the Neuvert's, all the players that have come through that, you know, it's taken kind of that long to see this ward kind of land back in the bears lap again. in a lot of ways, but I'd credit, you know, not only the goaltenders, I mean, Hunter Shepard's been great. We've seen it coming for a couple of years, every, you know, since he came on the scene, really, he stepped in very well, but, you know, I, I give it a lot to the defense too. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of different configurations, some depth guys, Logan day and Jake Massey are two guys that kind of stick out in my mind as two guys that, you know, they're not playing every game, but they're, you know, they've been really coming in their own. And, you know, even when guys get healthy, it's hard to tell those two guys to sit out type of thing. So I've really liked what I've seen from the goaltenders and the defense. I think that Todd Nelson's system has absolutely started to take root here in Hershey. And it's, it's coming out fantastic so far. One thing one of my friends have told me was that, you know, the Bears did start a little sluggish, but Todd Nelson's system's been about speed and transition. And once the conditioning was going to get going, once their legs were going to get going, this was going to turn into a very dangerous team. And lo and behold, look what's happened. But a few other stars we've seen come forward. One has been the emergence of 
Mason Morelli, who's just been a really good, really good signing. Um, I didn't think too much of it when the when the guy was signed, but um, he really reminds you of kind of a Jay Beagle type, a good middle six forward who just seems to get a goal or an assist at just the right time. A guy who can kind of do it all, forecheck, backcheck, penalty kill, and maybe throw him out on the power play if you needing need it a fill-in for a guy who's injured. Yeah, absolutely. We saw that. Like it's, it's kind of been a, you know, he's done everything the coaches have asked him to. You know, he sat in the sidelines a little bit his first year in Hershey. But once he got into the lineup, you know, you can't take him out in a sense because he's just been that good. You know, chipped in a lot of goals. He's current, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's still the team's leading scorer right now in terms of points. Um, you know, we saw it, I believe, was the Springfield game where he, you know, just came up with an absolutely clutch goal on a breakaway. Uh, just has an absolute knack for finding the net. Um, like you said, and playing a lot of different roles. Like, you know, he kind of took over the Matt Molson net front power play presence role and does a really good job of it, I would say. Um, you know, just any configuration you want to put him out on, penalty kill, power play, guy does it all. He kind of reminds me of, as you said, Jay Beagle and a little bit of Nathan Walker in some ways where, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he just has a habit of going to the net. You know, it may not be the prettiest goals, although the Springfield breakaway goal is pretty, that, pretty that gorgeous. Was, that that was fun to watch. Absolutely. You know, it was one of those ones where it was just absolutely meant to be. It was perfect. Um, but it's just one of those great things. You know, he wasn't, I don't think you or I had him pegged as the team's leading scorer, but it's just all the same. You know, the Bears have a ton of guys that could be leading in that regard. And, you know, it's just exciting to see a guy like Mason Morelli, who should be turning some heads just like Hunter Shepard uh, in the not so distant future, honestly. I would, let me just say, I imagine he's not going to stay on an AHL contract for very long. Uh, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points. He is one of two players at the top of the scoring list for the Bears. The others being the other one being Hendricks Lapierre at this point. Um, we could talk about him, but there is another uh, signing that I'd like to talk about, and that is Ethan Frank, who is turning into a pretty darn good talent, undrafted signee that, you know, last year was basically a fill-in, dear God, come and help us with our scoring depth. Um, signing uh, outside of that one goal in Wilkes-Barre, never really did much. And then just quietly has come on to this team and has just, you know, been a, a small spark in this team's offensive uh, output. Ten points so far during the uh, during the season so far. I really like what he's doing. Six goals, four assists. He is our precious baby boy who must be protected at all costs. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And, you know, what really stands out to me this season for him is his speed, right? Like, he's just one of the fastest guys, uh, you know, stride for stride on the team. There's a lot of times where he'll start out behind, you know, chasing behind an opponent, opponenting defenseman, you know, going behind the net. And he'll beat the guy to the puck, win the battle, and, you know, make a great play with it. That line of um, of him and Hendricks Lapierre and Shane Gersich was just so fun to watch because they were a bunch of fast guys with great vision, great shooting, great puck handling, you know, the whole package. I would hope to see once all three of those guys are all healthy at the same time uh, to see that line reunited. But, you know, it's one of those things. He's He was he has just the tools and the tool set for it, right? Like his first goal is from the Ovechkin spot in uh in Wilkes-Barre last year and although injuries kind of 
you know, hampered him and kept him out of the lineup a good chunk of that season. They did the right thing by bringing him back on and it's paid dividends so far. I mean, he was the NCAA's uh, leading scorer for good reason, I would say, last season. And um, it's just great to see a guy like him coming into his own here with Hershey. Another guy who shouldn't be on an AHL contract for all that long either. Yeah, I like what he's doing. He seems to be a lot of the young, fast legs. Another name of that definitely has been um, Henrik Rybinski, who seems to have been coming on as of late, who doesn't really seem to have the scoring touch, but is always around, uh, but always seems to be around the net, always seems to be, you know, he's trying to look for that scoring touch, and hopefully it'll be paid off for him eventually. Only five points on the campaign, but it feels like it should be more for him. Yeah, he's been a very noticeable guy so far. There's been a lot of times where I feel he that number could be higher just because I feel he's been possibly a little snake bitten. Like there's there's been a number of times for a couple of games in a row where, you know, he seemed to be in the right place to to get a quick one time shot off from, you know, the the bottom of the right circle type of thing. And, you know, he's been stopped a few times. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he breaks through and is another depth contributor for the Bears. I mean, there's just a number of guys on the team that offensively you could look at their chances, you know, not just from a statistical perspective, but just, you know, from what they do on the ice and say, hey, this guy could probably be given a few more goals even than what the Bears are getting as a whole. And so, you know, I think the offense has kind of been the last thing to kind of come together for this team. But he's one of those guys. I mean, Julian Napravnik, we've seen, you know, flashes of his potential. We're getting some guys back like Gersich. Um, There's just a lot of guys in there that I think could really chip in and, you know, become a, a make the team extremely tough to play against all four lines so as we hit this quarter poll um of course it may be a little too early to say something like this but i'm just going to throw your thoughts out there anyway on this question um early running for unsung hero is oh man i mean you could pick any one of a number of guys here i mean mm-hmm. you, you know man for me it's hard to pick just one i mean for me, a lot of guys, you know, one of the players I've been most impressed with this season so far has been Aaron Ness. I mean, it's no surprise, mm-hmm. you know, the veteran defenseman coming back. But like, even though he hasn't had the offensive production that we saw him have the last year he was here in Hershey, which, you know, 55 points from a defenseman is unreal. Yeah. His, his smarts just kind of, it feels like he's an anchor back there. You know, like there's just a lot of times where you can watch him you know, completely undermanned and he just makes a great play to break up a pass or eliminate the right guy. Um, you know, make a great outlet pass. It's, it's all over the place there. I I don't think it's quite shown up on the score sheet just yet, but he's the kind of guy that, you know, I just feel so safe when he's back there and, you know, he's a guy you can pair up with almost anybody and it's going to work just fine. You know, very much uh, what we were hoping for, like a Cameron Schilling type of guy where he's just, he can kind of do it all in a lot of ways. So, that's yeah, kind of my pick right time. now. It's just kind of hard to pick one guy, though, because, I mean, almost anybody could fill that kind of role, really. My thought, my early one thought so far, I think, are uh, Henrik Bjorkstrom, um, I think, is making a strong case. A guy who isn't always on the scoreboard, but um, he's really helped that bottom six, especially that fourth line. Um, in like the past five or six games, it's just a real checking line that goes out there and has messed teams up and is against some good first lines in Wilkes-Barre that are very opportunistic. And especially in Lehigh, who, while the record doesn't deflect it, reflect it, are still dangerous, have really been able to go out there and mess up offenses. Bridgeport as well 
they were able to do that too. So, you know, the fourth line, you know, of Bjorkstrom, Sutter, and I forget who else might be out there, maybe Kale Kessie too, um, are all just been really good unsung heroes of guys that have just gone out there and have been able to bring a mod- a checking um, game into this modern hockey. And of course, Giant Center is going to love stuff like that when you hear guys getting thudded into the boards. Absolutely. One other guy that springs to mind also that I saw an impressive stat on was, uh, was Vincent Iorio. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a guy that like, you forget that he's a rookie and he's only 20 years old, right? He's been so good. Um, I think his, his plus minus is a plus eight right now. And like that leads the team. And I believe is one of the top marks amongst rookie defensemen in the entirety of the AHL at this point, if I remember what I saw just the other day, but um, you know, he's been, all over the place. There was a play on Wednesday night in Lehigh Valley that was so impressive to me where he took the puck. He was behind his own goal line and he took the puck and just totally outwitted a Lehigh Valley four checker, you know, protected the puck, drew a penalty on the play. If I'm not mistaken there too, just kind of did a little bit of everything. It's not going to show up on the score sheet necessarily, but like he just does so many of the little things, right. And it's so impressive to me that he's a rookie and he's kind of, you know, learning so fast type of thing. He's just seems like he's the kind of guy that just kind of thrives with the challenge, you know? Oh yeah. I can see that with him. Like, you know, we haven't seen um, a lot of offensive firepower out of him. Now I know he's got a lot of assists this season, but he's a defenseman and not a lot of our offense flows through our defensemen like last year. So um, I think what he's doing is really good stuff. And speaking of rookies, you know, we kind of have the bump of crop in rookies this year that we thought we were going to have last year with Iorio, LaPierre, um, Ethan Frank, Rybinski, and now finally having McMichael down here to get playing time and develop. You know, this is what we've been wanting in Hershey for quite some time, and we're, fi- we're, we're finally getting it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like you said, we've had a couple of different combinations of it over the last couple of seasons but this one, it's it's the big boys. You know, it's two first round picks in McMichael and LaPierre right now, a second rounder in Iorio. You know, some guys like Rabinsky were great prospects that kind of, you know, fell to the Capitals by chance here. And a lot of great, you know, former first round talents. You got Lucas Johansson's right here now. Gabriel Carlson's another former first rounder. Um, you know, Shane Gersich is obviously, you know, a highly regarded prospect. Just a lot of guys right now, and you pair them with some great proven talent. Mike Scarbosa, Mike Vecchione, Sam Annis are just among, you know, a few names that are on the line, on the roster. And although the Bears haven't scored, you know, we're not quite at the 09-10 season days of putting up eight goals a game and all that kind of stuff just yet. I mean, feasibly, looking at some of these guys' past production, it's totally wouldn't surprise me if the Bears start scoring a few more goals here um, at some point coming up. So there's just, you know, like you said, it's a total great matrix of guys right now. You know, like you said earlier, we've seen some of these depth guys like, you know, the Morellis and, you know, some of the other guys of this world, the Masseys, you know, step in and, you know, not, you know, not even just look out of place, but contribute in a great way too. So, I mean, it's just been, there's been a lot to love just from top to bottom that's been getting these wins. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a great 17, 18, 19 games for the boys so far. Really good standings. Here's hoping it's not like last year where the boys peak too soon. Here's hoping we're talking about the same thing 
once we get to the end of January at the, at the halfway point. But let's switch gears here as um, this past Friday, a, uh, a big announcement was made by, uh, by Hershey. Um, finally bringing this back on March 18th, the Bears will have their Hall of Fame night. Now, we knew the Hall of Fame was coming back, but we didn't know in what aspect. And, of course, the great virus and everything uh, prevented us from having such ceremonies. So we're kind of backlogged, but we're going to be inducting two classes this year. And we will start with the class of 2021, and we'll get on to this, this year's class. Uh, 2021 class, uh, Barry Ashby, a Bears blue liner that did help the Bears win a, t- a cup in 68-69. Uh, John Henderson, known as Long John for the 1969 cup team. Myron, Myron uh, Stan, Stan Wetzky played eight seasons with the Bears in the 60s. Uh, John Tavares, not Tavares, John Tavares, a reporter for the Patriot Evening News throughout the 60s and 70s. And Freddie Kasibi, Frederick Kasidi, Freddie is getting his time in as well. Uh, played with the Bears for six seasons, including get, getting a cup with the boys in 05, 06. And throughout the late aughts, you could hear the chance of Freddie throughout Giant Center through that time. So um, pretty nice crop of old time Bears from the 60s and 70s. And a good modern goaltender going in, perhaps. I think that's the first of the Giant Center era Bears to be inducted into this Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think it's a good matrix of guys because, you know, there's there's just, you know, obviously we have two classes here. So, I mean, that's there's, the you know, a nice opportunity to have a lot of variety from different eras. And it's nice to see some of these more recent guys that I think will make the event a bigger draw, certainly. You know, we'll have a few more more you know more guys i picture there being a warm reception for freddie where we get to you know like you said go freddie freddie mm-hmm. one more you know one more yep. time just kind of like the outdoor game that sort of stuff recognize a, a recent legend here too it kind of it feels right in the being in the same season as a jersey retirement for a player in the giant center era and chris bork you know a lot of beloved players getting their time in the spotlight once again here for sure agreed and um we talked about this um, you know, in the green room before we started this this up. Um, I think we're gonna start seeing a lot of more uh giant center Hershey Bears being inducted in over the next uh couple of years. Um, because a, a couple of years ago, before the great virus and everything, there were a lot of 80s and 90s bears that were being inducted. Um, the you know, the, the heyday of the uh of the uh, of the old barn was being inducted in and it was good to see a lot of that flyers bears connection be put in, you know, unfortunately before all this happened. And now it seems like we're transitioning out of the Hershey park old barn era and now start recognizing the, uh, the golden age of giant center. And it's just, it's really good to see Fred, see Freddie go in. And it's very fitting that we are taking on the Rochester Americans that night, the oldest rivalry in the entire league, on March 18th, it's going to be a great game. And you're right. I think it's going to be a very, very good draw. We go into the class of 2022. And as soon as I saw this name, it put a big smile on my face. Keith, a coin gets in 
part of the chocolate trinity of 2008 through 2010. One of the most decorated bears, this from HersheyBears.com, helping get back-to-back titles in 09-10, AHL MVP in 2009-2010 with 106 points, 35 goals, and 71 assists. Um, He has 255 assists, uh, which is 10th amongst Bears history. He was also a three-time All-Star. Good on Keith Coin going in. Well-deserved. Would not be surprised if we're going to get Gordon and Giroux over the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's nice to see, like we were saying earlier, you know, some guys, it, it's kind of hard to believe still in a sense that, you know, those years are this far bygone in a sense, because they still feel like they're yesterday in a lot of ways, you know, with, with a lot of these guys that, you know, we were just celebrating those Calder Cups and uh, things like that. But it's great to see a guy like, you know, Keith Coin, who's so highly decorated and so highly regarded in Hershey, you know, perhaps as much, if not more than Kasivi in some ways, just for, you know, the sheer synonymous nature he was with a lot of success for the Bears in a lot of ways. So it's it's great to see, you know, him be probably, you know, the biggest of the, you know, recent Bears to go in, in a sense like that, in terms of players that won championships here. And like you said, I don't think the other guys are that far behind. I mean, I know uh, Alexander Giroux, if he's officially done, or I'm trying to recall if he is or not, but, um, you know, he was still enjoying a a lengthy career overseas type of thing. I'm sure they're waiting for the dust to settle um, in that regard for some of the guys there too. So it's great to see. And it's, you know, it's going to be exciting to have him back even just for a night for sure. Oh, definitely. And that's going to bring a lot of fans back um, as well. I'm going to love to see the guy. The 0910 squad was my first time uh, going to the Bears. Brian Dobbin was part of the 1988 Calder Cup season that won 50 games and went 4-4-4 in the postseason. Um, a team that finished for, um, he finished third on the team with 83 points despite only playing 54 uh, games. Uh, he was first team HL All-Star in 88-89. Uh, got second team honors in 89-90, um, posted nearly 1.27 points per game and tied 13th in franchise history uh, with 399 points. Um, again, this is another one of the um, you know 80s, 90s Bears that is going in and great seeing the 1988 squad. Um, that is very revered among Bears fans, but good to see them being introduced in this era of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's always nice to see that that era, which I think sometimes maybe gets not overlooked, but, you know, it, it's like you said, people that were there for it regard it very highly. And it's good for these kinds of eras to get a lot of attention, in my opinion, just because, you know, we don't always see, you know, you hear about the founding days, you hear about the more recent days. But, you know, so, and sometimes those those seasons can kind of get lost in the middle, especially being the Flyers affiliation years that, you know, we quickly you know, switch places on to become rivals right away with type of thing, you know, kind of turned over into a little bit of bad blood uh, with the Phantoms rivalry heating up as fast as it did um, almost instantaneously, really, from uh, when the Phantoms began their tenure over at the old spectrum there. So it's good to see that era get recognized. And, you know, you get a little bit of representation from just about every era of Bears hockey in these two classes. Oh, definitely. Um, up next is Don Foreman gets in a respected linesman among the American Hockey League 
who is familiar to Bears fans during the old barn. He worked exclusively Bears games for the better part of a decade from 1960 to 1970 before traveling throughout the American Hockey League, working nearly 80 games a year, many Carter Cup finals, uh, was rated top linesman when he hit the mandatory retirement age in 1983. Um, He was... Uh, elected into the central chapter of the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame in 2018. Uh, This is the part of the Hall of Fame where um, fans actually do like this because they help explore other regions, not just hockey. People, you know, reporters, people who helped build Giant Center, architects with the old barn, um, places that are indirectly... um, responsible for the Hershey bears. And here's another one with Don Foreman. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's a lot of success that, you know, we typically think of on the ice with hockey, but there's a lot of great people that are synonymous with the bears that don't ever put on a bears Jersey. Right. You know, that's whether it's what they do off the ice behind a broadcast booth, you know, behind the scenes for the team. I think it's just the first, the long list. And I think the hall of fame opportunity is a great chance for a lot of folks that, don't necessarily take the spotlight that, you know, they don't get the spotlight shown on them for goals at least, but you know, they contribute in a huge way nonetheless. And I think this is just another great example of somebody that, you know, there's a lot of people that recognize him still, you know, from those era, that era, those days um, for all that he did for hockey and Hershey. And, you know, it's just, it, it feels kind of an odd thing because, you know, we're used to, to booing the referees and booing the, you know, lines people a lot of times, but, you know, they do a great thing and you know, they're passionate about the bears. Even if they do get booed each and every night, they're officiating a game for sure. Definitely. And um, good to see something like that get in again. It teaches history um, to all who watch it, us adults and the kids as well, but saving the best for last. And we knew this, this name was going to get in. Um, I will argue it should have just been his name alone, but uh, Greg Mace um, being inducted into this Hall of Fame, there was no doubt this was going to happen. Um, unfortunately, passed away in late uh, 2019. Um, you know, uh, worked as a reporter on the Bears with ABC 27 here locally for four, nearly 40 years, um, allowing him to cover six Hershey championships since ni- 1980. Uh, Mace got the recipient of the AHL James H. Ellery Memorial Award in recognition of outstanding media service as well. Unfortunately, passed away in late 2019, Um, was also um, inducted into the um, um, uh, Harrisburg Senators Bobblehead Hall of Fame, which may sound a little funny to everyone, but um, it's definitely a yep as for all of you watching long on live, uh, got his own bobblehead, very much deserved. If there was anything that was a very close second to his passion for hockey, it was baseball with the Harrisburg Senators and the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, Greg Mace going in, very much deserved for him. Um, if it was, if, if the Hall of Fame was a real building, this man should probably get his own media wing as well. And I've also argued and this may happen down the line. I think the press box at Giant Center should be named after him. But that's my opinion. Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, for for me, at least, you know, Greg's influence. I, I was fortunate enough to have interned with Greg um, when I was in college in 2014. 
But, you know, I always say, you know, I have my friend Greg Mace, but I also have my influence Greg Mace uh, for my love of hockey for the Bears, especially because, you know, for a time, you know, before we were so fortunate to have things like Twitter, things like YouTube, where we can get instant highlights. When you were growing up, like if there's a Bears game and you didn't happen to go to that or you're coming home, you tune into ABC 27 to have Greg tell you the highlights and show him to show you the video and describe the game to you. And Greg was just such a great storyteller you know he knew so much about every kind of sport him and john walton in the booth for a lot of the early telecasts of bears games were just a a fantastic duo there's so many great you know so many great things about what greg did for to get people interested in hockey around here and you know really get the bears out there and so you know like you said i think that the bears hall of fame is a good start towards you know recognizing his impact on the team, just like how the senators did over the summer. But I, like you said, I think it's going to have to grow into more eventually. I mean, his, his large, his, he was larger than life for a good reason. Right. So it's, it's great to see. I, I'm honestly kind of, you know, almost at a loss for words as to, to how much it means to me, frankly, because, you know, he's just such a, you know, such a great guy and such a positive influence on me for, you know, where I am doing this and, you know, writing, covering the bears, you know, it all kind of, started because of Greg and because of Kyle, you know, all the stuff that they do for the team. And, you know, it's just that passion that he always had for it. Uh, One funny story always, you know, always stuck with me from when I interned with him was that um, for Friday night football, we used to write scripts for the broadcasters that they would read the play and be, you know, player's name through a, you know, 40 yard pass for a touchdown. Right. And Greg had this uncanny ability. No one else had this that he did. But Greg could take the information that you put on the script and turn it into his own thing, you know. And at first I was like, oh, my gosh, I must have screwed this up because, you know, Greg didn't run with it at all. But Greg had this great way of he could tell you the play as it was happening. So he would take that information and say, there he is with the throw. It's going way there and he's got it. Catch. Touchdown. What a what a pass. What a throw. Like, you know, he could totally take that information on the fly. It was I'd never seen anything like it. So. Um, Greg's a great guy. He absolutely deserves it. I miss him a lot. Um, like I said, hopefully it's the first of many things to come for him for sure. Agreed. And people in, in, in sports always have that, that mentor, that person they look up to you. Um, for you, it's Greg Mays. For me, it's, it's, it's uncle doc, Mike Emmerich. Um, and I'm sure there's people who are listening to this. Um, I'm sure you have your person, your, your local broadcaster for people out in Pittsburgh, it's Grandpa Mike Lang that that his pipes they listen to on old transistor radios in in Philadelphia. It was the voice voice of Her- uh, of Harry was the voice of many Philadelphia and Central PA summers. So men like that who became voices of people's childhoods and growing up will always always be missed. And I'm really I'm really glad that we've gotten through all this 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 horrible virus stuff. And this man could be given his proper due because I believe if it, if that hadn't happened, the class of 2020 was going to be Greg Mace. And I, and again, I would have argued it would have just been him all alone because of what this man has done nearly 40 years of covering this team for this region is deserved of that kind of, of, of accolades. So um glad to see he's going to get in very well, very well deserved. And um, you're going to see, it's going to be very emotional for the fan base 
um, when we see him get inducted in on March 18th. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it, it does really exemplify, like, you know, the various have a little bit of everything to, you know, recognize during this time. You got players from all kinds of different eras, you know, a linesman, a longtime linesman. And, you know, I just happened to be recognizing a, a broadcaster that spent 40 years, you know, around the team, you know, doing so much for so many different organizations. So I'm, I'm, I think it's, you know, basically as close to a perfect of a, of a class is what you can get because, you know, there's, there's a lot of relevancy. I mean, there's somebody on that list is bound to be recognized by a fan, by a TV viewer, you know, somebody that watched ABC 27, you know, anybody that watched ABC 27 sports knew that when Greg got on there, he was going to talk about the bears, you know, even if it was the middle of July type of thing, you know, he'd have something about the bears, you know, some tidbit, something like that. So, uh, like you said, I think it's a great class. I don't think you can ask for that much more, to be honest. No, in all honesty, no, no, not with with that that man has done. And it will be great to see that as well when we get to March 18th. And that'll do it for the Gretchen Barrett podcast this week. A bit of a weirder setup with only one game recap and bringing Corey Schwartz on as well. Corey, I will give you a moment here to... Um, you know, whatever else you're working on there, uh, brother, you know, let us know what's coming up. The board is yours. Yeah. I mean, if you want to catch more, we do plenty of bears stuff over at field pass hockey. Uh, that's where you'll find the most of my stuff. I also do a couple of posts a week on, uh, on my blog, uh, bears hockey nation. You can find both of those on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm also on a podcast, uh, the Holy grail, um, where, you know, I happen to bring the bears edge on that side of things too. Uh, you know, that goes up every Thursday as well. So, you know, feel free to listen to any of those, check, tune into any of those things, and that's where you'll find me at. Excellent. Good, excellent stuff. So thank you to everyone for joining for joining us here on the Grits and Bear podcast. I will be back on Friday for the fi- Friday face-off as we are heading deeper into the month of de- December. But until till then, my name's Richard Blosser, and above el- all else, go Bears. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020, to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears' friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Go Bears.